Good morning. If you have a copy of God's Word, turn with me to the book of Jeremiah, the book of Jeremiah in the Old Testament, chapter 29. We're going to continue with our series on urban legends this morning, answering uh, some of the questions about certain things that people believe. And, and in many instances, they believe these things because they think they come from Scripture. They may have heard them their whole life. It may have been something that's been kind of instilled within them. And yet, what we find is that in many instances, they're not from the Bible at all. Uh, in, in some cases, they're misunderstandings of Scripture verses, but they're not actually in the Bible, and, and yet we hold fast to them sometimes uh, without really ever knowing why. And so I want us to look at another one of those uh, this morning. And uh, so we'll be in Jeremiah chapter 29. We'll start in chapter 1 here in just a moment. About 15 years ago, uh, my wife and I went through one of the most difficult events uh, of our marriage, Beth. Uh, was pregnant with our second child, and we were ecstatic about our family growing. Uh, but at one of her checkups, uh, as we were meeting with the nurse and they were doing the ultrasound, the nurse was not able to find the baby's heartbeat. The excitement of a new child quickly gave way to the devastation of the loss of the child in this pregnancy. At that time, we didn't announce it to everyone, uh, but we did choose prayer support over complete and total privacy. There was a temptation to kind of just kind of keep it to ourselves, but we did open up to several friends and members of our church where I was serving as a pastor at that time. And for the most part, uh, we were pretty glad we did. Uh, there, there were so many uh, encouraging uh, exchanges and comfort and peace that came from experiencing just that grieving and that loss together with our church family. But there were also days when we weren't so sure that we had taken the right course of action uh, in this particular situation. Now, of course, everyone meant well. But you know, some of what uh, people mean for good doesn't always come across like that. And did you know that some of the most difficult moments that we experienced as a young couple uh, were ill or were well-intentioned words of encouragement that people offered to us? You, you might say, wait a minute, some of the most difficult moments you experienced were because of well-intentioned words of encouragement? Yeah, not that we didn't need encouragement, we certainly did, but a lot of what people meant as encouragement were in reality quite painful comments. It didn't make things better, it made things worse. One of them, probably one of the more difficult things, was when people kept telling Beth that she was young and she'd be able to have more children. Now, now not only is that insensitive, but it's also really quite stupid to tell someone that's mourning the loss of a life, a person that was made in the image of God, at the idea that, oh, there'll be others. So please, just as a side note, doesn't really have to do with this message necessarily, don't ever say something like that to someone who has experienced this tragedy. It's not helpful at all. But another one that was equally as painful were when people would ensure us 
that, oh, it's okay, everything happens for a reason. Now, the thought process behind this comment was that tragedy is a blessing in disguise, and it's an essential part of God's great and wonderful plan for our life. So, if you're tracking along with me here, the, the miscarriage of our child was an essential, wonderful part of God's good plan. Now, in some respects, those people are, are right to a certain degree. No matter what happens, God is in complete control. He is the sovereign ruler of the universe. He is perfectly good, and His will will be accomplished. But does that really mean that He is the direct cause of everything that happens in our life, both good and bad, both good and evil. In other words, did God cause Lucifer, the devil, to rebel against him? Did God cause Eve to eat the forbidden fruit? Did God cause David to sleep with Bathsheba, who was not his wife and was married to someone else? Now, of course, there are certainly people in the world that believe that he did, cause every one of those things to happen. But is that actually what Scripture reveals to us and teaches us? Is that everything that happened happens for a reason because of God's good plan in our life. So if that's not what Scripture teaches necessarily, then where does this myth come from? Well, like most urban legends, it originates from a combination of, in some instances, wishful thinking but also, most of the time, a twisted interpretation of a few key scriptures. One of the first key scriptures that really kind of feeds this myth is Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. Now, we've recently walked through the book of Romans together, so I don't want us to spend a whole lot of time here but suffice to say, this passage is not about reminding you that everything that happens to you is part of God's good plan. No, on the contrary, the point of this passage is that when bad things happen to you that are not a part of God's will for your life, He is able to use them for His glory. An example of this in Scripture would, of course, be Joseph. When Joseph was sold into slavery and then rose to power in Egypt and finally faced his brothers that sold him into slavery later on, and he tells his brothers, what you meant for evil, God intended for good. He's bigger than our tragedies. He's not always the cause of our tragedies, but he's bigger than them. And he can transform those tragedies and use them for his glory no matter the circumstance his purpose his plan his mission will always be accomplished no matter the difficulty or the pain or the tragedy that we necessarily go through in our life but there's another verse that kind of gets used frequently for this particular myth and it is the one that i want us to look at today people misunderstand what this myth is actually saying or what this passage of scripture is actually saying and it leads to that Myth, Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Now on the surface, this verse seems like another promise that everything that happens to us happens because of God and that we should view it as good. After all, none of God's plans include evil towards us, right? So 
let's take a moment and let's walk through this passage of Scripture together, not just that verse, but the verses around it. Let's check out the context of this verse. Let's see what it really means for us and for our lives. And I think one of the very first things that you need to understand about Jeremiah chapter 29 is it's important to remember that Jeremiah chapter 29 begins with this main thought, and that is this. You have been sent on a mission by God. You've been sent on a mission by God, and everything that flows out of that mission ultimately is what's feeding that verse, that key verse, Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11, to help us to understand what God's plan for us really is. Here's what he says in verses 1 through 3. These are the words of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders of the exiles and to the priests, the prophets, and all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had taken into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. This was after King Jeconiah and the queen mother, the eunuchs, the officials of Judah and Jerusalem, the craftsmen, and the metal workers had departed from Jerusalem. The letter was sent by the hand of Elasa, the son of Shaphan, and Gamariah, the son of Hilkiah, whom Zedekiah, king of Judah, sent to Babylon to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. It said, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Now, this is just kind of the first few verses to sort of set the stage for what's going on. God had called Israel, his chosen people, to live on mission for him in the middle of the promised land where they would be surrounded by secular nations that did not worship the one true God. God's hope for his people was that they would live outside of themselves and live into his mission. But that's not what happened. Israel looked around and decided to do what all the other nations were doing. God, we want to be like them. We don't want to be what you want us to be. We want to be like them. And so they decided to live for themselves and not for their God. They veered off of their mission. And after centuries of God pleading and warning and graciously sending prophets to them to get them back on mission, God finally sends Babylon to carry them off into exile. And this is where the people of God are when we come to the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah is a prophet full of sorrow. His people that he's prophesying to are in exile. And yet, it's here where God says to his people, I've not given up on you. My plan is still in full effect. I still have a mission for you to seek the welfare of this city. For in its welfare, you will find your welfare. You are to live on mission. You have been sent on a mission by God. Well, the, truth, the, the same truth uh, is for us as well, that we have been sent as God's people on a mission from him. I remember a time when I sat in my office with the parents of a pregnant teenager. They came in to figure out what was the best course of action for us to take. How, how should we best handle this situation? And we were talking through things, and I, I remember very distinctly the, the dad at one point said to me, and the mom agreed, we're not sure why God let this happen, but it's good to know he has a reason. Well, I didn't say anything immediately, but in my mind, I thought, I'm pretty sure this isn't God's fault. See, 
just like the children of Israel, this young teenager had made really bad decisions. The consequences of her decisions caused her to be in a situation that was not according to God's plan. God's desire for the nation of Israel was not that they would be in captivity, but ultimately at the end of the day, God stopped protecting them from all of their sin and he allowed them to be taken off into captivity in order that they might suffer the consequences of their actions. Here's the thing. Sin is real. It is a real part of the world that we live in. And this is not the way God created the world. He did not make this world with sin in it. But we decided we knew better than God, and because of that, sin entered the world. And there's three different ways that we face consequences of sin. Number one, you can sin, and you can face those consequences yourself. In, in other words, it's cause and effect. If you do something wrong, then there are consequences for your actions. Also, you can experience the consequences of someone else's sin. Someone can sin either against you or in life, and it can directly affect you because of the things that they have done. But then there's also the fact that the entire world has been broken by sin. So disease and, national, and, and natural disasters and, and all of these types of things happen now because we live in a fallen, sinful world. But that was not God's design. That was what we did with God's design. Because ultimately, at the end of the day, we have to realize that this consequence that we face, these consequences that we face, that's not God's fault. Sin is what caused that. These consequences are a result of sin in our life. But here's the, the beauty of what we're being reminded here. God is faithful to his promises. No, no matter how many times we fall or fail, no matter how many times tragedy hits us, God is always faithful to his promises. In verses 1 through 3, there were a lot of things going on, but it, it reminds us of the fact that even as they were in exile, these are the words of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders of the exiles and to the priests, the prophets, and all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had taken into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Here's the thing. All of the promises of God prior to them going to exile, none of those promises now were completely and totally done away with. No, God was faithful to those promises, and he sent this message by the prophet Jeremiah to the people so that they would recognize that he'd not forgotten them. That they were still in his view. And he still had a plan for them because God is also faithful to his people. Verse 4 says, Thus said the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. It's easy to read that verse and think that God is the cause. But in reality... The consequences are the effect. The cause was sin. The consequences, the punishment for their sin was the effect. It wasn't that God was bringing that into their life because it was a good part of his plan. It was because that happened in their life because of their choice to rebel against God. God's always faithful. The question is not in this passage of Scripture whether or not God's faithful. We're not trying to, to figure out a way to resolve the tension between the bad things in our life and a good God. No, we recognize that the bad things in our life are because of sin and a good God is still accomplishing his plan. 
God is always faithful to his promises and to his people. The question is, are we faithful to him? We'll get to that again a little bit more here in a minute. But because we've been sent on a mission from God, the real desire of God's heart for us is that you are to live out your mission for God. In verse 5, he says, build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there. Do not decrease, but seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf for its welfare. You will find your welfare. What is God's point here? No matter where you are, no matter what you're going through, whether it's good, whether it's bad, whether it's mountaintop, whether it's valley, whether it's experiencing the, the, the prosperity or defeat, whatever you are going through, God will use you where you are. You can live out his mission in your life no matter the circumstances. You don't have to try to figure out ways to understand or to proclaim to the world that the difficulty you're going through is part of God's good plan. You can simply realize that you are part of God's good plan. And no matter what you're going through, his plan has not wavered. His desire to redeem the world through the gospel of Jesus Christ is the same today as it has been for thousands of years. These verses are about accomplishing God's mission. They are not about the problem of evil. They're not about trying to describe why bad things happen to us. These verses are about God accomplishing his mission in our life, no matter the circumstances, no matter our past, whether we've been faithful or whether we've been rebels. God is still faithful and calls us on mission for him. Our sin has consequences, but God's plan is bigger and his grace is sufficient. So trust in him to use you, and trust that God will protect you where you are. When you are faithful to him, God sees you and protects you. It doesn't mean he'll keep you from all harm. It means he will keep you on task for his mission, for his glory. That's why in Romans 8, 28, it reminds us that God works all things together for good for those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. He will take the bad events of your life and he will use them for his mission, for his glory, in your life. Verse 8 says, For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let your prophets and your diviners who are among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams that they dream. For it's a lie that they're prophesying to you in my name. I, I did not send them, declares the Lord. This is interesting. In light of everything that, that we believe about this section, God is actually reminding us that there are many people who will come to deceive us and to manipulate us to get us off plan, to get our minds off of God and his mission for our life. There, there are plenty of things that can keep us distraught. Sometimes those, those false teachings try to make us think that God is doing all of this. That is a fatalistic approach to life, that God is bringing all manners of evil and pain and suffering and difficulty in your life for, for his glory and because of, uh, because of what he wants to accomplish. It, it's fatalistic. It doesn't mean that God doesn't use those things. It also doesn't mean that God doesn't bring some of those things. But to attribute everything that happens to him, no matter what's going on, 
is a misunderstanding of what God is doing in your life. And it might cause you to lose all hope. Years ago, a small town in Maine was proposed for the site of a great hydroelectric plant. Since the dam would be built across the river, the entire town ultimately would be submerged in water. When the project was announced, the people were given to many months to arrange their things, put things in order, get everything ready to relocate. But during that time before the dam was built, there were some really interesting things that happened in that town. All of the improvements in the town ceased. That makes sense. No painting was done. No repairs were made on the buildings, roads, sidewalks. Day by day, the whole town just got shabbier and shabbier. A long time before the waters came, the town looked completely uncared for, abandoned, even though people had not moved away yet. One citizen actually complained, where there's no faith in the future, there's no power for the present. The town was cursed with hopelessness because it didn't have any hope for the future. If you buy into this understanding that everything happens for a reason, that even the bad stuff that you experience, the pain, the difficulties, that God's trying to teach you something, that God's trying to do something in your life. Hey, here's, here's the reality. He is. That doesn't mean he brought that into your life to teach you. He, he may use those things to get you to look to him, to get you to be dependent upon him, but sometimes the bad stuff that happens in our life happens because they're consequences of our sin. Sometimes the bad stuff that's in our life happens because they're the consequences of someone else's sin. Sometimes the bad stuff that happens in our life happens because we live in a fallen, sinful world where pain and suffering and disease and famine and natural disaster and pestilence are part of what we've done with God's good, good creation. And yet, God is always faithful. He has never lost sight of us. He has never taken his eyes off of us. This myth is only one in a many different deceptions that try to manipulate us away from God's mission. Don't forget why you're here. And cling to the promises and to the word of an almighty sovereign God who knows exactly where you are. He is in complete control. And while we may pray and desire that he remove all pain and difficulty and suffering, we can rest in the fact that none of them are a match for him. And the beauty of this passage of Scripture is this. You will be blessed in this mission by God. Verses 10 through 11 say, For thus says the Lord, When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. He's not lost sight of them. He's not forgotten about them. He knows what he wants to do and what he wants to accomplish with his people. And even though their sin had caused them to be taken away into captivity, and even though, as Scripture indicates, God was bringing about his punishment upon them because of their constant rebellion against him, he had not given up on his purpose and his plan for them. Therefore, verse 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare, not for evil. To give you a future and a hope. Now here's some good news for you. Because here's what really Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 11 means. Even though you have totally wrecked your life. 
even though in your rebellion and your sinfulness and your wickedness, even though your wandering heart has strayed away from your heavenly Father, even though your plans have ended in failure, even though your plans have caused your house to come crumbling down, God says, but I know the plans I have for you. And my plans are for your good, not for evil. My plans will give you hope and a future. Stop trusting in your plans that lead to destruction and start trusting in my plans that lead to purpose, that lead to mission. My plans will always accomplish my glory for my kingdom. Our future is in his his hands. This is the ultimate promise of verse 11. Not that nothing bad will happen to you. Not that that God will only bring good things into our life. But that no matter what happens, he holds our future. So how should we respond to that truth? Well, our faithfulness leads to his blessing. We saw this last week as we were looking at just the whole concept of what it means to be faithful to God. But here's the reality. God is always faithful to us. The question, as I mentioned earlier, is not whether or not he's faithful. The question I talked about earlier was, are you faithful? Verse 12, then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all nations and all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. Now, was Israel sent into captivity to Babylon for a reason? Yes, but the reason was their sin. God's plan for them all along had been was that they would be on mission for him amongst all the nations, but they didn't want to do that. And so what did God do? He sent them to a nation. He sent them to, at that time, the nation in order to be on mission there, to get their attention, to wake them up. But it wasn't the first part of God's good's plan. It was the consequences for their sin. God's desire, God's design, was that they would live in the promised land and be on mission to the ends of the earth. But that's not what they chose to do. Sometimes we can't see or understand what God is doing, how he's working things for good, how he's taking the good and the bad, how he's blessing those that are faithful, how he's straightening the path of those that have rebelled. We can't always see what he's doing, but we do know what his plan is. His plan is that we would be on mission for him to share the gospel and love of Jesus Christ to the ends of the earth, starting right here in our community. But if we fail to do that, then we have no idea where we might be sent in order to accomplish what God's real good plan for us truly always is. One day, several years ago, I was driving home from work when I noticed a turtle trying to work its way across the pavement down here on Highway 60 or 60th Avenue. The pavement was extremely hot. It was one of those really hot Florida 
days. I steered my car to pass over him, but in my mind I was wondering, how is this turtle going to make it across all four lanes of the traffic here? And so what I did was I just pulled into the very next parking lot that was up there, pulled over, kind of drove through the parking lot, parked directly across from the turtle, and I noticed that even though he'd been walking the whole time I'd been gone, which is only a few minutes, he was painstakingly in the same spot that he was previously. He wasn't making a very good time. So I got out of my car. I walked over to the road, looked both ways, made sure there was no traffic coming, picked that little turtle up, walked him across four lanes of traffic, put him in the grass on the other side, and then I went back and got in my car. As I got in my car and started on my journey home once again, I started thinking about that turtle. And I thought, you know, he had absolutely no idea what I was or who I was or what I was trying to do for him. He didn't know what my intended purpose was. He didn't know that I was there to help him. As a matter of fact, he seemed to be pretty terrified of me because as soon as I walked over near him, he began to, to pull back into his shell. And when I picked him up, he jerked into his shell completely like I was a danger, like I was going to harm him in some way. There was no way for him to possibly realize that I was trying to help him. I was going to help him navigate that really dangerous, what he probably didn't even realize was a very dangerous road there in front of him. As I pulled off thinking about these things, I kind of got a chill that ran through my whole body at the thought of how similar my life is to that traveling turtle. How immeasurably insignificant I am as a part of God's creation compared to the sovereign creator of the universe. Why did I stop the car and move that turtle to the side of the road out of harm's way? I was thinking about that, just pondering that question in my mind. Where would I be now if God in his infinite wisdom and sovereignty and grace had not looked down at me in my helpless estate in the problems that I had brought upon myself trying to navigate through life in the dangerous of circumstances and my own ability if he had not looked down at me and said mm, I've got a better plan for you than that if he had not in his infinite mercy and grace reached down and scooped me up and carried me safely to the other side. If God in his grace and love had not radically and eternally saved me from my depravity and my sin, how hopeless and helplessly lost I would still be. The turtle was dead and he didn't even know it. But even more so than that turtle, I was completely dead and hopeless in my sin, in the consequences of my sin, lost forever. But God knew the plans that he had for me. Plans to prosper me for good, not for evil. Plans to give me hope and a future. 
even though bad things happen in my life, in your life, all the time, that does not mean that God is the author of those evil things. It also does not mean that he is unconcerned about the circumstances of our life. Here's a better understanding of these verses. Instead of believing the myth that everything that happens is a good part of God's plan, which scripture doesn't seem to indicate, remember that even the enemy's best shot at you will never be able to thwart God's plan for your life. He's bigger. He's better. He is gracious. He is good. And our God is always faithful to his promises and to his people. So no matter, no matter what happens, stay on mission. Find rest in the fact that even in your darkest of days, God, is always on mission in you and through you and there is nothing that he cannot accomplish so God take us and use us for your glory no matter the circumstances until you bring us home to be with you would you bow your heads with me this morning I want to close in a word of prayer, but if you're here today and you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus, you need to stop worrying about whether or not the things that happen in your life are good or bad, come from God or somewhere else. And you need to rest in the fact that no matter what happens, God sent his son into the world to experience the most significant evil the world has ever seen. All the sin of the world upon his shoulders to take your place, to take your punishment, so that you might have life and have it everlasting. If you're here and you've never repented of your sin and put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, then today is a day of salvation. Cry out to Him. We'd love for you to let us know that you've done just that. You can click on that decision card that you see below the video or on our website that says, I have decided. And let us know that today you've decided to follow Jesus. So we can come alongside you, pray for you, disciple you, help you in your spiritual journey like people have done for us as well and recognize that God's plan for your life is that you would trust in Him and be faithful to Him and be on mission for Him. That's true for every one of us, no matter what we're going through. Father, thank you for the privilege of being able to study your Word and be reminded that you don't send bad things into our life just, to, just so that we might experience bad things. God, you are constantly taking the bad things that we go through. Some of them we brought on ourselves. Some of them other people have brought into our lives. Some of them because we live in a fallen, sinful world. But no matter what we experience, God, your plan has not changed. For your glory, for your kingdom, so that the name of Jesus may go to the ends of the earth, you continue to bless us if we are faithful to you. And God, you continue to be faithful to your promises and to your people. Help us to never forget it. Help us to trust in you. Help us to lean on you. Help us to surrender to you. And God, you have your way in our life. Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.